On this episode of the InsureTech Geek Podcast, talking about the challenges facing the evolving insurance industry with Brent Hammer from Grange Insurance. The InsureTech Geek Podcast, powered by JB Knowledge, is all about technology that's transforming and disrupting the insurance world. We'll be interviewing guests and doing deep dives into specific tech we see changing the industry. We're taking you on a journey through insurance tech, so enjoy the ride and geek out. And we are back with another episode of the InsureTech Geek Podcast. Good to see everybody on the show today. We're going to have a good geeky discussion with uh, our friend Brent Hammer from Grange Insurance. Before we do that, uh, Rob, uh, you, you geeked out to geek out? Yeah, absolutely, man. I'm really excited <laughs> for uh, today's episode. That's awesome. So with us today, we've got uh, we've got Brent Hammer. He's Vice President, Innovation Officer at Grange Insurance. Um, Brent, we always like talking about people's companies and what they do yeah. and, and, and what, what they do for this. But before that, let's talk about you and we're going to go way back, back oh. into time. Uh, uh, first off, uh, where are you today? Physically, <laughs> where are you sitting today? Uh, lovely Columbus, Ohio. Nice spring mm. day in Columbus. Nice spring day, meaning still icy cold. Uh, just, yeah, a little, a little bit of sleep. No big deal. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, it's like the, it's the third day of spring, I think, uh, which, uh, up North Ohio, Michigan, that territory means, uh, still cold and a little slushy, uh, mm -hmm. just a little, little less snowy. Uh, but good, glad to have you. Did you, uh, were you born and raised in Ohio? I was, yep. Born and raised in Columbus. Um, I did not go to Ohio state though. Um, I went to a college in Southeast Ohio, Ohio university. I've got my mug right here there you go <laughs> but you uh go. But yeah i came back to columbus after college it's a um, great town awesome and you did your mba from university of dayton too so Correct. not that far yep. away yeah. yeah awesome so um when you were growing up uh, a young boy in columbus <laughs> ohio dreaming of working for nationwide insurance or one of the big no 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 little boy there you're you're dreaming of playing for the for the hard on their luck Browns or the Bengals. Unfortunately, I am a, a, a Browns fan. Yes, you are. You are unfortunately, <laughs> it's like uh, you know I, I grew up in South Louisiana in the in the early eighties, uh, which me which was unfortunate too because they weren't called the Aints back Saints back then they were called the Aints uh -huh. and uh, you know we wore paper bags over our heads in the games and so I, I know how you feel. Oh yeah, I know how you it's, feel. You've had a little better luck since then. I, we have unfortunately have not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Sean Payton turned it around, and evidently it was actually turnaroundable. I just don't know if the Browns are turnaroundable. I don't know. If it's, it's yeah, not in my lifetime. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just don't think. I don't think it's in the cards. I don't. So you were growing up as a as a young boy in Ohio. What did you want to do when you were a kid? Oh boy, that you know, <laughs> funny enough. Um, I actually found a piece of paper from when I was in kindergarten, and um, per per the documentation, I wanted to grow up to be a chef. Um, I think the ironic thing is that um, I do not cook at all. My my lovely wife and is, is an amazing cook, and I am an incredible dishwasher. <laughs> you know what I really enjoy doing? It, it was my job. It was one of my my jobs when I was sixteen, bussing tables. Oh, I was yeah. a I was an expert table busser at a Mexican restaurant for two years oh. in high school. My my and, first job uh, was. Uh, oh, sorry. Don't mean to. No, no, it's fine. Yeah, yeah my first job was a, was a mulch boy, uh, and then during the summer when sports weren't in session in high school, I'd sit in the parking lot and just load hundreds of, if not thousands of bags of mulch into people's car. Oh my <laughs> so gosh. It was great. I enjoyed it. 
yeah, there's actually, uh, you know, some rewarding work out there. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I enjoyed cleaning tables. I, I, I hustled for <laughs> tips. That's what I did. I just like, I was like, well, usually busboys don't get tips. I'm going to be a busboy that gets tips. And so I, uh, I hustled my butt off and enjoyed that, <laughs> you know, fixed computers on the weekends and taught people how to get nice. on the internet. I had, I had a few different jobs as a kid. So you went to, you went to Ohio university, got a degree in accounting, same here. I got a degree in oh, accounting fantastic. from, from, uh, from Texas A&M. I, <clears throat> I did a couple of internships with PricewaterhouseCoopers. It looks like you worked in assurance and audit for KPMG. I only yep. did six months of two different internships, undergrad and grad school. And I mm -hmm. just couldn't, I couldn't stomach going full time with the big five at the time. Now, <laughs> now the big four, um, you know, you, you obviously did the requisite two years of, uh, you know, the two year war yep. tour with KPMG made it through two it. audit seasons and that was it. Huh? You couldn't do it anymore. <laughs> two, two busy seasons were good. Um, I was very fortunate that Grange was a client of mine and, um, I must've done something right because, uh, I, they hired me. So, <laughs> yeah. And that was, so it was your first job after being a consultant. So you, mm -hmm. you, you go in and, in Oh five to, to Oh nine. So four years working as a project manager in finance for Grange insurance. And, uh, and then you took a little tour, yep. uh, did a little time at NCR, then back to Grange as a corporate finance manager. And then, um, tell us, you know, you, it looks like you had, you know, some affiliate like integrity insurance was yeah. an affiliate of Grange insurance. Yep. And then you, went back to Grange as an AVP uh, controller in financial operations. And then you made a very rare leap. And this is an interesting <laughs> one. Usually, usually when you look at innovation officers, it, they, a lot of time they come up through the IT ranks, so they'll come up through product. You came in through the finance route, which is actually, look, I'll be honest, Rob and I have done over a hundred of these. And I think you're the first one we've talked to that has come through oh, the finance ranks. So tell it, Tell us about that journey from being in finance and corporate finance. Oh yeah, being an audit to 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 then coming into uh, an innovation role. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I've always sort of considered myself to be an extroverted accountant, um, and so, uh, but you know, I I loved the numbers. I actually come from a long line, a, a bit a large family of extroverted accountants. I've got seven aunts and uncles in Cleveland, Ohio. They're all CPAs. Um, and then I've, I think I've got, you know, seven or eight cousins who are also CPAs. So there's something, something in the genetics there, but, um, yeah, <clears throat> a, a, about a year before they created the innovation officer position and created a dedicated team, um, InsureTech was something that was on my radar. I was really, really interested in digging into it. Um, if at the time this was, you know, 2017, 2018, everyone was saying, you know, the sky is falling and InsureTech is going to completely turn the industry on its head you know, in, incumbents have not innovated in years. And I just was very, very curious to get to the bottom of, is that true or not? And so um, did a bunch of research, talked to a bunch of companies. I presented that, um, you know, those findings to our senior leadership team. Um, and somehow, um, you know, I, maybe that that's what got my hat in the ring for consideration. Um, and when they opened it up, you know, they they tapped me and I'm, I've been thrilled for the last four years going on five years in this role. That's awesome. And, and, you know, you talk about accountants with personality. I, I always wanted to be the, the it accounting guy with a, like <laughs> who actually played sports and geeked out on, on, on things other than just technology. So I oh, made yeah. it, I made it a choice, but do you play cones of Dunshire? That's the Whoa. more important question. I, I have no idea what that is. Wow. <laughs> Am I have you ever now? seen, have Dropping you ever seen do you, Leslie, Leslie Nope? Do you know, okay. Leslie Nope, uh, Parks and Rec? 
I, uh, I like Parks and Rec. Um, okay. You know, Ben Wyatt I, and Ben Wyatt, the quintessential accountant, invented a game called oh, Cones of Dunshire. Oh, see, I was thinking about the accountant from Office Space and uh, what was his <laughs> game? Uh, jump to conclusions or jump to conclusions, <laughs> Matt? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I always say. Like, you know, you're from. You know, did you, did you watch Parks and Rec? I know it was Pawnee, Indiana, which is not too far, theoretically, the, the fictitious Pawnee from Ohio. And then Ben Wyatt invented Cones of Dunshire. I mean, he was a cool accountant. Yeah. I, I, need, to, I need to go back and revisit that then because uh, I'm, I'm all up for uh, studying cool accountants. There are, there are, there's, there's actually a shocking amount of content on the internet about Cones of Dunshire. For it being a fake game invented by a fake guy on a TV show is a, is a shocking amount of content. It captures people's imagination. So um, you, you've been – before we dive into the, yeah. the role of innova innovation officer, what does Grange Insurance do? Yeah, sure thing. So Grange, we are a mutual regional. Um, we do property and casualty insurance. Um, and so really focus on home, auto, um, small business, mid-market size businesses. Um, we only distribute through independent agents. Um, I really, really believe in the independent agent model and, and the, you know, the added advice and benefit they can provide to customers. And so we, you know, right through independent agents in 13 states headquartered in Ohio, um, and we're sort of up in the Minnesota area, contiguous through the Midwest down to Georgia. What's your definition of independent agent? Uh, well, yeah, good question. So, you know, to me, an independent agent is someone who's, you know, looking out for the best interest of their policyholder. They're not captive or beholden to one particular carrier. Um, and so, again, I just think that model is always in the best interest of the customer. You know, it's been an interesting time. For I, I, we're going to dive into what you do, what innovation officers are, but mm -hmm. like very, very interesting time in residential property insurance, but in particular down in the in the southeast and on the coastal regions, right? Oh yeah, a lot of trauma, a lot of turmoil. Um, it's it's a it's a dynamic time to be a carrier in that. Oh space. yes, yeah, yeah. Twenty twenty two was a little bit of a litmus test for for yeah. everyone, for the entire the entire industry, <laughs> insurtechs included. Yes, I, everybody. Yeah, the insured checks were challenged by weather and weather. You know, like the the VC weather and the mm. actual weather. And, and there's a, there was a lot going on that challenged a lot of people's uh, assumptions. Put it that way. And uh, in particular, when you see a lot of you know new hot entrants getting into your exact market, auto, mm. home, renters, condo, like that. That's a that's a highly targeted space by insured techs, right? Yeah. And then they come in and they have like terrible combined loss ratios. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And it's okay for a year, but you, it's not sustainable. <clears throat> yeah, like you actually have to make money on your underwriting, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Investments help somewhat, but they don't cover all of your underwriting yeah. misfortunes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you have to have, like the core business has to make money. I think that's it's like this inescapable law of insurance, like gravity. Like you actually have to make money on the core business, and then the insurance, as we say in Louisiana, where I grew up, the ins the, the investment money is lanyap. That's it's just a little something extra that you make on the top, but. <laughs> You got to make a profit there. Rob, what you got, bud? Yeah. So, uh, Brent, you know, I was sharing with you before we started recording uh, that I, I love meeting folks in positions such as yourself, right? Leading innovation uh, teams within traditional uh, insurance firms and really you know, firms of any type that have been around for decades, right? But innovation is new. It's a new muscle. It's a new discipline, right? So, um Maybe you just tell us a little bit about your role and your responsibilities at Grange. You yeah. said this position was created, so you're the first one. It sounds like to, to ever hold it. Um, so, you know, what was the vision there, and and how has it evolved in the four years that you've been there? 
in this role? No, absolutely. So um, maybe I'll start with sort of today what we have, and then I'll rewind very quickly and, and talk about the journey. But today, um, there are sort of four key portfolios um, that I oversee um, and that our innovation, our innovation team manages. Um, the first is around culture and associate engagement. So running hackathons, design thinking sessions, et cetera. Um, the second is our deal flow for InsureTech. Um, and so, you know, we're going out there, we're identifying, first and foremost, we're problem focused. So we're talking to our business stakeholders, we're talking to our agents and identifying mental thorns, physical thorns that, that InsureTech can help us to solve for. So deal flow is the second. The third is, is newer and it's an associate R&D lab um, where maybe we get a really good idea from one of the events that we run. Now we actually have a mechanism to you know, solve that gap from ideation to execution that I think a lot of carriers have. Um, and so we've got you know, a couple of things incubating in, in our associate R&D lab. And then the last thing, which is also new, is a venture studio. Um, we now have the capability when, you know, if we can catch lightning in a bottle um, to do the market research, do the investment thesis, um, you know, build a prototype and, and go to market with the, you know, adjacent solutions in the insurance space. So our goal, you know, that that's still pretty immature for us. Our goal this year is to really move that portfolio from paper to practice. And, and so um, let me just rewind and say how we started. And I would say we started, you know, you've heard of Horizon 1, Horizon 2, Horizon 3. We, we really deliberately started at Horizon Zero, um, which, which is the culture piece, getting associates warmed to the idea um, that change is not always a bad thing um, and that there's actually some really amazing things out there that can help them, you know, to perform better. Um, so in the first year, it was, it was innovation events, hackathons. Um, it was really cool to see us having to go from pushing that on people to our associate culture, actually um, pulling it from us. So saying, hey, we really love this event. Can you do another one about, um, you know, uh, blockchain or this emerging technology or a specific department would, would reach out to us to say, we can't fix this problem. Can you do a design thinking workshop for us? When we saw that pendulum move from having to force people to attend these events, being voluntold to, to now we can't keep up with the demand. That was the catalyst to say, all right, now we can actually start to in introduce some insure tech solutions, some new emerging technologies. Um, and so we built our deal flow process from there. Um, we then discovered that there's not insure tech solving for everything. So we, we, can we develop a lab internally that has capital and resources to you know, build associate ideas? And then finally we said, we've got something that could be its own business. How do, how do we, a mutual regional company, go about spinning something out. And so we developed the whole process around our venture studio as well. So, so that's where we're at. But the last thing I might say, Rob, in terms of like a day in the life of you know, corporate innovation in the insurance industry, that's you know, very exciting, I know. Um, it is exciting. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes it can feel a little bit like you, know, you just put a cold pot of water on the stove and you're watching the flame and nothing's happening. Um, You've got to have patience. You've got to be resilient. Um, that's the biggest thing I've learned in the last four years. And if you can do that and you can get through that initial waiting period and set expectations for folks, you know, we're, we really have um, things cooking right now entering year five. Walk me through. I mean, you, first, you're, you're, I, I love that you're starting with get your people used to the idea that change isn't terrible. And, and that can be really hard. I mean, you guys, you guys carry a oh, good yeah. bit of your, you guys carry a good bit of your risk, right? Oh yeah. 
So, I mean, you carry your own paper, you have reinsurance. Yeah, yeah we have reinsurance, but I mean, we, we, we retain 95, you know, a significant yeah. portion. You, you retain a significant, you're not a, you're not an MGA. You're not a broker. Nope. You, you retain like 95% of your risk. Oh yeah. When you're in that situation, it can almost be a little suffocating to think about taking big risks, right? <laughs> because you're, I mean, just you're taking big yeah. risks on your core business as a, as a result. And you're betting on weather and people's behavior and, it, that's, it, it's hard. So, I mean, good carriers are stable carriers, oh, highly yeah. rated carriers are stable carriers. Stability and innovation can sometimes feel like they're at odds with each other because stability means, you know, consistently reliably repeating the same results so you can predict outcomes. Right. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I, I, you hit on a key point and it's, it's one thing that makes Grange possibly a little different, or at least four years ago, we were very unique. And I think the tides have shifted somewhat, but we were very deliberate to restructure and actually form a mutual holding company. Um, <clears throat> not an easy process to go through. Um, I, I love our legal team. They went through a lot, um, but it's, it's got such great benefits because now you can carve out the P and L for the core insurance operations. And then you can if you have excess capital, which which luckily Grange was in a position of strength and we did, you can dividend up that capital and actually use it to fund a separate R&D P&L. And so that is one of the ways that we hedge risk in that we can conduct proofs of concept or do market research, um, again, in a very lean way, sort of low risk, fail fast, um, and you know try to really de-risk these insurtech solutions before we expose them to the business who then would try to implement them. That's really interesting. And I, I mean, you, you went through real structural change oh, to yeah. support oh, yeah. this. And, and the innovation wasn't the only reason, but it was, it was certainly a, a key factor that we were aware of that it would enable. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. I can't say I've heard, or I can't say I've had an interview with an insurance carrier that, that has taken it that far to actually restructure their entire enterprise to support this type of innovation and, and then, you know, then, and then conduct a bunch of, you know, culture. Now you, you've been at the company a long time. So you also have a deep understanding of the culture and have the ability to really push it, to do yeah. what your poster is saying and, and innovate. I want to, I want to just do a, <laughs> I just want to do a shout out and just, and just say that he and I oh, share yeah. a love for, for back to the future and, uh, and, and, and all things Marty McFly, including the flux capacitor. So yeah. we, we, uh, we share a love for that, but, but look, it's easy to talk about innovation. It's really hard to actually do it. Right. There's a lot of talk. I mean, I, I can't say I haven't heard an executive on the planet not talking about how they want to be an innovative company. <laughs> but then you then you peel in, you talk to their CIO and you say, yeah, he won't even approve iPad purchases or yeah, he won't even consider cloud computing or yeah, he won't even consider these, you know, these, you know, three fundamental base technologies. And so, mm -hmm. you know, if if you don't really challenge yourself and, and make yourself willing to to adopt a substantially different way of doing business from technology and product, um, then it's just kind of lip service. You, it, it's, oh, it, yeah. it's, it's unsubstantiated lip service, right? It, it is. And, you know, to that point, one of the things that, that we say here at Grange, and, and again, this might be a saying that, you know, someone else made up, I, did, I can't take credit for it. But, um, you know, it, what really puts it into perspective, especially if you're in a leadership position or a board position, um, which we have tremendous support from both, um, is, is this. If you think about it, things have never moved as fast as they're moving right now. I think we'd all agree with that, right? But they're also never going to be this slow again. <laughs> things are only going to keep coming, right? And so, you know, when you think about it that way, 
you have to invest at least something in someone who's not just heads down, you know, putting out the fires, trying to get the, you know, the work done. You've got to invest a little bit in someone who's actually going out and scouting the path ahead. And, and really particularly, it doesn't have to generate an ROI. There is a return on learning that comes from that because sometimes knowing what not to do or knowing what's really just theater and hype and, and you just don't pay attention to it, don't even burn, burn any mind share on it because we, we tested it and it's not there yet. Um, you know, applying that Gartner hype cycle thinking, um, it, it just adds so much value. Whether it's one person or it's a big team doesn't make a difference. You have to invest in scouting and the return on learning because of the pace of change. Yeah, absolutely. Rob, I know you've uh, been in a similar situation you've had to work through. Yeah, it's funny. I, I talk about uh, Rolo, return on learning objectives. So uh, yeah, I'm, oh, I'm so yeah, glad. Yeah. Patico on that, right? Rather than just ROI, because yeah, sometimes you don't even know enough, right, to calculate and and even things like order of magnitude, right? Is this worth three hundred thousand, three million, thirty million, three hundred? But like, I don't know. So <laughs> yep. let me at least narrow down, and then I can decide, right, how much resources to invest further. So, uh, so Brent, you know, yep. one of the things, you know, most people within organizations, I would imagine, Grange is 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 uh, you know, different. They are really focused on current year objectives, right? Hey, we want to hit a certain combined yeah. ratio. We want to grow revenue a certain amount or whatever. And, and that's what bonuses are paid on and stuff like that. And so there's very few folks, right? Usually the innovation folks would have a handful of folks usually within organizations that are explicitly kind of exempted from that for the most part and charged with looking yeah. beyond this year's current results into future results. So, um, I you know, started a company basically around this uh, premise. How do you keep up with the latest trends and advancements in the industry? And then what sources do you turn to for inspiration and insights? Because I know this can be a, a very real challenge. You just talked about the hype cycle. How do you break through? How do you see what is going on? I mean, I, I just listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but no, seriously, I actually just listened to your podcast with Mike Anse on he's a he's you know, a great mind, fascinating, um, very um, interesting um, gentleman in the, in the industry. And, you know, that leads me to the fact that I probably spend 50% of my day in one-on-one -on -one meetings. Um, and I, I really try to balance internal and external one-on-one -on -one meetings. So I said another way, you know, I like to surround myself by people who are smarter than me. And that's not really self-deprecating. What I really mean by that is, um, you cannot be an expert at everything. Um, in fact, most people are lucky to be an expert at one thing. Um, and so recognizing that, who can I talk to that's, you know, experts in different fields and where where there are new solutions being developed, but even more importantly, talking to the, my stakeholders and understanding what their problems are um, and what solutions are working or not working. Um, so, you know, I talk to, you know, a lot of our internal thought leaders on a one-on-one -on -one basis, um, you know, my team members each have a very different um, area of expertise. We've got a great team of, of T-shaped people, which again, at the top, you've got that broad insurance knowledge, but you've got a really deep vertical of, of knowledge in a, in a different space, whether it's technology or, um, you know, distribution, et cetera. So talking to internal people, but I, I also equally love talking to folks in my external network. And so, you know, I think about venture capital firms, they're a wealth of knowledge. And so, you know, I, I've, I love to talk to folks who have insure tech specific funds and pick their brains. Um, you know, I, and it's a two way street because I can share information about insure techs that we've piloted that worked well or, or some that didn't. 
Um, you know, in, in addition to that, reinsurers and brokers, they're a wealth of knowledge. Um, I, I love talking to our, our reinsurers. Um, I, I will give one shout out, though. Uh, if there's one publication you read, um, Gallagher Re puts out a quarterly InsureTech update. Um, a gentleman, AJ Johnson, um, produces that. He's, he's wonderful. Um, it's right up there with Warren Buffett's, you know, letters to his stakeholders. If you're in the InsureTech industry and you want to stay in the know. Um, but yeah, it's really just trying to talk to people who, again, are smarter than me in, in different areas of, of, of the industry. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and great shout out to, uh, to AJ Johnson over there at uh, Gallagher. You can go check that out. And if that's a, a good newsletter that people should subscribe to, it's good. It's, mm -hmm. there's not a ton uh, of subscriptions that you can subscribe to. There's this thing called Forest View Insights like to read as well, but <laughs> yep. somebody else on this in case you ever want to sign up for his newsletter and then. I send out one on, on bootstrapped innovation and, and entrepreneurship as well. So there's, there's a few of us that do newsletters, um, but they all have their own unique angle and mine oh, is yeah. definitely not what, what AJ is doing. So uh, it's a great newsletter to sign up. Let's wrap with this, this last question. Yeah. Um, what's your relationship like with it and technology? What does it look like for innovation and it and the partnership uh, or what, 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 what do y'all do together? Uh, so, uh, I used to report up to the CIO, so that was really great because I'm not a technologist, um, as, we, as we've discussed. Um, and so getting that exposure was wonderful, getting to build relationships with the folks who run our infrastructure, who run our middleware and our, our ESB, our, our InfoSec team, just super valuable to build those relationships. And then in the last year, we actually restructured a little bit where I now report to our chief strategy and transformation officer, and we had digital in one space, innovation in one space, continuous improvement in another. Um, those all roll up now to our, our chief strategy and, and transformation officer. So that's been really nice, too, because now I can start to get synergies um, with the digital team and, and our project management team. But the, having those relationships with GTS is critical. Um, this is the most important thing that we've done, though. We've right-sized the expectations of our cybersecurity, our infosec, et cetera, around proofs of concept and pilots. Um, when we first started, you know, we would hand an entrepreneur a 50-page cybersecurity questionnaire. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it very quickly dawned on us, um, hey, this is just a pilot. This is just a proof of concept. We're going to do this for a temporary point in time. It's yep. not going to connect to the mothership at all. Um, so how can we right-size this? And we had the same conversation with our legal team. So we developed customized NDAs, um, data sharing agreements. Um, and that, you know, that is the secret sauce. You cannot treat innovation and insurtechs like you treat the giants of the world, the LexisNexis and the ISOs, et cetera. Um, and that has really helped us out a lot. Now, once we, once we find something that works and getting it into production, that's where, you know, we do have to put them through that, that ringer. But at a minimum, we've sped up the process and made it way, way, way easier to do the proof of value up front. Absolutely. And, you, and you, look, they're not going to be SOC 2 type 2 when they're a startup. Oh, no, no, no. Not yet. Like, they've got to go through a, a lengthier process. So you got to give them some time to, to adapt. And that's really, that's really great. I mean, you gave us... In a very short period of time here, the, the last 30 minutes, you gave us some really good tips for people that are, that are leading innovation on 
you know, first off, some high level stuff the company needs to consider doing <laughs> to restructure yeah. that, that they may have to really think about big, 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 big change. Secondly, having to, to really think about people change and leading with getting them used to innovation before you start introducing new concepts and technologies and products. And then thirdly, kind of how you partner and work with uh, IT to get things done um, and, and, dri and drive, you know, the, the new innovations into the organization. Because a lot yep. of it, at the end of the day, I mean, it's people process technology. That's how you, Absolutely. That, that's how you implement new products. So, I mean, you're, you're going to have to change people. You're going to have to implement new process and you have to lead people. Uh, implement new process and and then adopt new product right yep so. yeah and and it's an iterative process you've patience is is key and and resiliency uh because things you're gonna have to you know iterate along the way so as long as you can do those two things and you've got the determination and hopefully you've got some budget um yeah you, you should be off to the races awesome well brent hammer thank you so much for joining us i hope that spring turns into summer in no time uh, I'll, I'll, I'll be up on Lake Michigan all summer. Uh, so if you feel like, uh, going, going, going to the lake and coming and visiting, uh, you know, come, 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 come on over, buddy. I, I, my, I try to accumulate friends with boats and friends with pools cause I have neither. So you're on, you're on the list. <laughs> yeah. Come, come hang a hundred yards off Lake Michigan. So, Wonderful. uh, come, come hang out in, in, uh, in beautiful Southwest Michigan. We have a lot of Ohio and Ohio, ends. I bet. Uh, that that come our way. Uh, we come your way for Cedar Point. <laughs> oh yeah, that's oh, the best. If you haven't, if you like roller coasters and you haven't been to Cedar Point, I don't care where you're from. It's it is the mecca. You're talking to the addict right here, man. <laughs> so, thanks for your time. I really appreciate thank it, Rob. Also, uh, thank you as always for being on the uh, co-hosting this lovely show with me. And thank you out in listener land for joining us for yet another episode and tuning in today to geek out our interview with Brent Hammer from Grange Insurance. See you next time. The InsureTech Geek Podcast, powered by JB Knowledge, jbknowledge.com. It's all about technology that's transforming and disrupting the insurance world. I've been your host, James Benham. That's jamesbenham.com with co-host Rob Galbraith at endofinsurance.com. Thanks to Jim Greenlee, our podcast producer, and thank you for joining us today. Look forward to talking with you soon. We're taking you on a journey through insurance tech, so enjoy the ride and geek out.